This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Ryan Roberts is the Head of Sustainable Construction for the Wholesim Group based in Switzerland. With extensive experience across the construction industry, Ryan is passionate about the built environment and its ability to enhance the lives of people. Ryan joins us today to share how Wholesome is striving to deliver sustainability construction practices and technologies to drive improved outcomes under their mission of building for people and planet. Welcome to the program, Ryan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Ryan, Wholesome are a global leader in innovative and sustainable building solutions. Can you provide an overview of the Wholesome portfolio? Yeah, of course. So we're a building solutions company. Uh, We're active in over 60 countries and we have around 70,000 employees. We're the first company in our sector to have our 2030 and 2050 net zero targets validated by SBTI for a 1.5 degree scenario, including one, two and three scope emissions. We're active in supplying cement, concrete, asphalt and aggregates, also building envelope solutions such as roofs, uh, insulation and facades. And we have large scale precast operations and general contractor services, mainly in the infrastructure space. Wholesome are working actively to collaborate across the value chain for the built environment. Can you share with us some of the frameworks you are supporting? Yeah, well, Wholesome's active in a number of frameworks, as you said, and we're really looking to tackle the big challenges that face both the natural and built environments. And some examples include the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, the World Green Building Council, the Global Alliance for Buildings and Construction, uh, the MIT Climate and Sustainability Consortium, the World Economic Forum, and Bloomberg. And within these frameworks, uh, we're working on policy, reporting, and implementation actions. And two quick examples would be the Circular Cities Barometer, uh, launched by Bloomberg, and a recent white paper on circular buildings released by World Business Council for Sustainable Development in December. So in terms of the recent white paper collaboration with the World Green Building Council on circular buildings, what can you share about that? Well... I mean, it's out for review currently, but what we need to define is how to measure the circularity of buildings. So the paper proposed some methodologies, but we need to define whether they're the correct ones or whether there may be other options available. And then we really need to understand how to interpret the results so we can evaluate how circular a building is and also how to allocate value to waste and reuse building components and also how to design buildings for circularity and for disassembly and reuse in their next life. And off the back of that, you talked earlier about the Circularity Barometer Project. Um, What's that about? It sounds interesting. What were some of the key findings from that project and where is that one at? Well, the Circular Cities Barometer was released in 2022 um, and it was a collaboration between Bloomberg and Wholesome. And it looks at different sustainability criteria of cities. And the idea is that cities are really the engines of the built environment and the learnings can be shared where other cities might be excelling and scaled across a global network. And it's really a systems level rating tool looking at policy all the way through to actions, which is really key to tracking how a city is tackling issues for both people and the planet and not just the now. 
So where do you see that project going to next? The idea is really to improve the tool, both in terms of metrics, the quality of data and the geographical coverage. So there's a version two iteration that will be released later this year. And this is a conversation that's really just started. In 2022, we gathered thought leaders and practitioners throughout the year at different events. And we'll continue to do so and start working closer with the cities and city networks and how we can accelerate the deployment of some of the learnings stemming from the barometer. From that, you must have seen some pretty impressive examples of circularity. What are some of those examples that you're seeing? Look, I think there are many things that really accelerate in the circularity space here in Europe, particularly. But there are two that come to mind that I can think of specifically. And the first one is really the retrofit regulations that's being looked at across Europe with the implementation of the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive and the Minimum Energy Performance Rating Requirements. These are really initiatives that are designed to keep existing buildings in use, but with far more energy efficient performance. And the second is really the recycling of construction and demolition waste to build new from old, essentially urban mining the built environment instead of taking virgin resources from the natural environment. And in Switzerland, where I'm currently based, Holsum has a cement called Sustaino. And what this does is it uses uh, more than 20% recycled construction waste directly into the manufacture. And it's a world first, and it really is a game changer because the CDW replaces the clinker, which is the carbon intensive part of cement. So it's building new buildings from old buildings with less CO2. And what's really exciting is we're now going to scale this across Europe based on the Swiss success story. And there's also really exciting digital platforms in this space of circularity like Adaster and Concula that are helping the urban mining concept, um, promoting buildings as material banks. So you're mentioning there a couple of times the term urban mining. Just share with us a little bit more about what that actually is. Yeah, it's a, probably a, a new term. We're trying to push the concept. And what that really is, is that, um, as I mentioned, you've got platforms and regulations that are starting to look at buildings as material banks. So they're essentially standing deposits of materials and resources that can be reused. And urban mining how I would describe it is that we have this huge, vast network of built structures that we can use as material banks to recover materials and resources at the end of those building lives and bring them back into the construction ecosystem, uh, whether that's in manufacture or whether it's in reuse. And we're urging the built environment rather than what's conventionally done where we take virgin resources, extract them from the natural environment, process them and make buildings from them. So to that extent, they're very much a part of the adaptive reuse. Yeah, very much so. And I think if we look at the hierarchy of waste uh, and we look at what's the most efficient way to reuse things, certainly repurposing and reusing buildings is at the very top. And I think the recent experience we had with the global health crisis that we've gone through the last couple of years really showed us how quickly we can change and how buildings can be repurposed. And so we went from, you know, very much being an office-based global community and then very, very quickly those office spaces were, were vacant and there was a rethinking around, well, how do we repurpose those existing structures? What's the best use for them in terms of a hierarchy? And so we know it can be done. And as you said, it's very much in that space of starting with repurposing, but then as we go down the hierarchy at the end, Buildings need to be taken down at some point based on their design limitations and life cycle. And then those buildings should be used as a resource rather than the natural environment. 
and Wholesome's not just reliant on collaboration for innovation. They've been doing some of their own recently with building materials. Yeah, correct. We're moving fast. We really have the smartest people available working across six R&D centres globally. And, you know, more than 80% of our R&D portfolio is focused on sustainable solutions. We solved a huge technical challenge in 2022 where we produced uh, 100% recycled clinker. And as I mentioned, this is the um, CO2 intensive part of a lot of buildings and cement. And we've made 12,000 tonnes uh, of that 100% recycled clinker to date across two countries. And in 2023, we're looking at scaling this technology further. And if we then moved on to further innovations this year, we just launched Europe's first calcine clay cement plant in France, and it's able to produce 500,000 tonnes of our EcoPlanet cement with calcine clay per year. And the operations run on 100% biomass as an alternative fuel. So both of these innovations are, are really a huge uh, achievement. And the result in terms of carbon performance is a product that has 50% less CO2 than a conventional cement. And I'll just give a brief explainer that, you know, calcine clay really is a low emission raw material and it's found across different regions globally. And it's a pozzolanic material similar to fly ash, which people might be familiar with, but it's more reactive and it requires lower heats than Portland cement. And if we sort of move the innovation through the business on our building envelope side, we're really talking about how we can make buildings operate more efficiently. So looking at cooling and heating with less energy. So we're focused on things like energy insulation to uh, improve energy efficiency, green or vegetated roofs, cool and reflective roofing, really looking at cooling cities and neighbourhoods. Are you looking for a digitalisation and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit binzero.com to find out more. And what role does technology play in allowing Wholesome to innovate? It's really crucial. We have the smartest people that we can find, really talented people, but that's only part of the solution. You really need to find the right technologies to affect change. And we have a program that's called Plants of Tomorrow, and it's a global program that really is focused on how we turn our current cement plants into the sort of plants of tomorrow, as it describes. And that's really looking at digital technologies, it's looking at operational efficiency technologies, all of the really exciting things with you know robotic dogs, with artificial intelligence, sort of programming alone, digital platforms, scanners. It's quite exciting and it's really crucial to us improving our performance. And we also work really, really closely with the startup ecosystem. And so through our innovation center in Lyon, they work with a lot of startups that are tackling the sort of decarbonization of the built environment directly with the company. And we also have a part of the company that's called Maker. And this is really a digital ecosystem startup focused program that looks to work with different startups within that digital ecosystem, help to accelerate them and then bring their solutions into the industry in live sort of demonstrations and proofs of concept. So a lot of the success of Wholesome in the sustainability space must be driven by a very strong ability to manage change. 
Yeah, I think uh, you have to move quickly if you want to affect change. And so definitely in the last three years, our company has changed both in its portfolio, in its approach, and how we do things on a day-to-day basis. And I think what's quite important and what I see is that that change seems to be bottom up. So we see a lot of the actions really being started and led by people on the ground that have a great idea that say, hey, we can do this better. And they implement it. And then when they work, we try to scale that and replicate it across our network. Uh, And so there is a lot of change to manage, but when you have everyone working in the same direction, you can see which changes are working well and replicate them at scale to have an impact. What we see is it's really around culture and direction. And when there's a good culture within the company where people can try things without fear of failure, that really allows them to just do something new. And when you're doing that a lot of times, what we see is that you have successes and then because of the culture other people are really willing to see those successes and replicate them. So definitely it's challenging, but uh, we are seeing progress. It tends to be led from the people on the ground that have great ideas. Do you think there's a difference in terms of how you manage new digital integration or new digital technology? I think there's different approaches. From an organisational perspective, from the business, the digital approaches and the digital innovations definitely require a new skill set within the company and you know within all companies and and probably a different layer within the company so we have specialized digital centers and digital capabilities that are regionally based so north america europe and latam and alike and these are really digital focused teams that are looking at a number of, of different projects so you need that organizational digital layer within the company but that as i mentioned that's not the only one because there's a lot of quick wins from the digital space that can be found by people every day, you know, especially as we the workforce is shifting in terms of demographics. Some of the people that we have working with us, and I would say a lot of the people, they really have this strong digital literacy and skill set that they've developed from numerous avenues, but they have it. And when they come to work, they can clearly see options to integrate digital solutions and digital options to make things better. And so you needed a different layers within the company, but I would never think that it needs to be organizational led because that takes away the option for people that are working every day to utilize their skill sets, particularly with digital capabilities to make improvements. So what more do you think can be done to support decarbonization for concrete and cement? I think one of the most powerful things to do is really create demand. Um, And so really to purchase low carbon products and there are options available. For us, we have our EcoPats Concrete and EcoPlanet Cement. They're available in 25 plus markets and they've got a carbon footprint that's 30 to 70% less than conventional materials. Now, they perform the same, so there's no compromise on performance. So why not purchase or prescribe them now? It creates demand and it's a really simple lever that delivers immediate impact both for the construction firms and developers within the the built environment value chain, but also for us because we know that it's wanted, it's needed, and so we make more of it. And, you know, the other key things needed uh, to drive decarbonisation are in the policy and regulation space. So building codes and standards globally, they can be really restrictive. And we know that technically we can have lower emissions and higher recycled compromise without any compromise on performance. But customers are restricted by policy. And so this needs to change urgently, I think. 
And Design for Manufacturing Assembly is also an initiative supporting decarbonisation across the sector. How is this impacting Holcim? I think the future is yet to be defined, but it is exciting. And so for Holcim, we have quite a strong capability uh, in this space and we have for a while within our prefabrication businesses. So if I take Australia, the Humes business, they're really focused on prefabricated precast concrete elements that you would see within bridges and infrastructure and all sorts of different types of projects. And so this is manufactured components that are really optimized through design and then employed in live projects. And we have the same capabilities um, quite strong in Germany that are really focused on precast panels and modular type panels for buildings. Uh, And we have a number of these capabilities in large businesses or large parts of our business in Canada and Poland and Germany and Australia. But when we look at the future of designing buildings to be taken down and taking apart, there's a lot of opportunity. And it started with a spin-off from one of the universities that we've now worked with to operationalize and commercialize called CPC, which stands for Carbon Pre-Stressed Concrete. And these are really manufactured panels that use carbon fibers tensioned instead of reinforcement to make all sorts of different panels in any shape that can be used in buildings. And they're much lighter. So the reduced mass can be 50 to 70%. Plus you take out the reinforcement component. So they have a really low carbon footprint, but they also have a much longer life cycle because of the, the lack of reinforcement required in them they can last longer, so they can be used in multiple building life cycles. So Ryan, when you think future about the industry with so much happening and so much innovation around adaptive reuse and decarbonisation, what is it that excites you most about the industry you're working in? I think it's actually the people. Construction in general has not been the most innovative industry and cement and concrete maybe even less so. But This challenge to decarbonize and tackle the problems facing people and the planet have really energized the type of people we're getting in the industry. And we've got now highly intelligent, dedicated, talented people coming into the business. And that's driving innovation at a pace that rivals other industries like tech and aerospace. You know, in just my team, we have scientists and engineers from 11 countries all working together to Um, solve problems and you know the diversity really creates performance and so for me that's really exciting. Well certainly we look forward to continuing to watch Wholesome build for people and planet and uh, to shape the future of construction today so thank you very much for participating in our program. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.